Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Three Point Jesus podcast. Uh, I'm Sam, along with my co-host Jay, and uh, and Jay. This is now two podcasts in a row. We're a day delayed because of the holiday. There's now two podcasts in a row where we are here talking about a Notre Dame men's basketball win, a Notre Dame men's basketball conference win at that. Um, how, how you doing? It's uh, it's good to be here talking um, Notre Dame's 58-55 win win against Georgia Tech last week. Don't call it a trend, brother. <laughs> um, and uh, as we'll talk through the pod, you know some some winnable games coming up. Uh, don't don't uh, count the Irish out. They got a little mo going. Yeah, yeah. This is the first. Um, First back-to-back conference wins for Notre Dame since uh, February 23rd and February 26th of 2022 against Syracuse. And the second one was also against Georgia Tech at home. Uh, so a little, a, little, a little symmetry there. I wish it was not uh, two years between back-to-back conference wins. Um, but but that's where we are. So um, so yeah, only, only one game this week. Uh, the Irish had the weekend off um, before heading down to uh, Louisville on Wednesday night. So... Um, you know, we're going to focus on the Georgia Tech game. I think there's a there's a lot of meat on that bone, a lot to talk about there. And then um, in the second half, we're going to play a little stock up, stock down with the Notre Dame roster and sort of talk about um, you know where guys stand, kind of compared to to what our expectations were coming into the year. Um, but I guess to start, you know, fifty eight, fifty five, Notre Dame beats Georgia Tech. Um, you know, sort of have to hang on at the end, uh, make it a, a little touch and go there. Um, but ultimately end up securing a, a really big offensive rebound in the final seconds. Um, you know, Lo- Logan Imes got the rebound, but really it was it was Kevin Jai who had the big tip out to make it happen. Um, and then you know I, I think critically, Jay, I think I, I have a feeling one thing you're going to talk about uh, is free throws. Um, you know, Notre Dame was was 17 of 22 from the line, uh, including eight of 11 in the second half, and um, that'll that'll go a long way. It sure will. Uh, we also hit double-digit assists. Look at us sharing the ball a little <laughs> bit. Um, barely, 10, but hey, it counts. Um, and controlled the turnover battle. Um, they only turned the ball over six times. My my theory of free-throw shooting and turnovers um, and you know dabble in some assists for, for effect um, comes through again. I, I will say this. It feels like Notre Dame could be number one in the country and Georgia Tech could be winless, and the game against them is going to be within three points at the end of the game. Like, we don't play games against them that aren't wire-to-wire. Like, biggest lead of the game is, like, four. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. They showed a stat. I forget what it was during the game, but it was something like, you have to throw out, it's funny, I just mentioned that one at the end of the 2022 season. In that one, we beat them by 35. But other than that, they they have all been, um, you know, sort of wire-to-wire down, uh, you know, down to the end. You mentioned the turnovers; only six turnovers uh, for Notre Dame in this one. That is a season low, um, yep. coming off uh, tying the previous season low in the last game against Virginia Tech of seven. So, you know, I would I, be surprised if there wasn't an emphasis on taking better care of the basketball coming off, um, you know, coming off that Virginia Pitt Duke stretch where it really, really was a big problem. Um, but they've responded well. You know, um, you know, Marcus Burton specifically, I think, has, has just been tremendous. He he had two turnovers and five assists. Um, again, coming off the eight eight assists, one turnover game against Virginia Tech. So he's really sort of um, it seems like taking that to heart and and just you know been a better all around point guard. Um, and you know that's part of part of his maturing. Yeah, he's he's cleaned it up clearly ever since the game. Gosh, oh my, it was a Florida State. I feel like he tried to split a double team. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, turned it over, and uh, you know that was like. 
the fifth turnover for him that game and and true set him down and truly since that game and that moment um he's really had a much better handle on the ball he's been smarter with the ball um and whatever shrews is preaching um is is starting to take foot it feels like with the irish yeah um you know i think we we talked about a little bit before we hopped on um the the rebounding effort in this one was spectacular um yeah, I think it's second best offensive rebounding percentage of the season behind only the game against Marist. They did a little bit better, um, and uh, and uh, Keba and Jai again in particular was was really good. He had um, three offensive rebounds, four defensive rebounds, and again that doesn't that doesn't even count the tip at the end that ended up securing the win the win for the Irish. So yeah, it's it's really just um, this Keba's seven rebounds felt like fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, which which may not you know maybe damning with faint praise to some extent, given given sort of his role on the team. Um, but they were big; they were all big rebounds. It felt like, yeah. Um, and and it was really you know to me it was I think we talked about sort of the Virginia Tech win as like this is kind of the sustainable version of what this team could look like um, when things are going well. T- to me, this was sort of like. A, it really impressive because it's the team finding a way to win when things aren't really going well. Braden Shrewsbury only had three points, was was one of eleven from the field, one of eight from three. Um, a lot of those were pretty good looks. Like he, you know, he, he would get the ball and spot up, and I, I, you know, felt good about it. But it just it wasn't falling for him. Um, but eighteen points for Marcus Burton. Tay Davis was was also I thought spectacular. Um, yep. You know, he he had that one play coming off the the sidelines out of bounds, sort of a give and go with Keba. Um, that ended up sort of giving him a layup as the shot clock expired that, that really created some momentum for Notre Dame. So, um, you know, good, good to see guys like him stepping up. I think we had talked about, you know, not to speculate too wildly, but you do sort of wonder what his health status has been after he, he missed those couple of games um, a few weeks back, if, if he's ever really been totally <coughs> healthy. Explosion was back for me. I yeah. mean, he was cut into the rim with, with aggression, and he hasn't been. So I, I almost, like, hope he was injured um, <laughs> in a certain way um but yeah his best game in in several weeks at least um and the that possession at the end of the shot clock was huge um just a big swing toward the end of the game there that gave us some momentum and we needed every point um you know down the wire we had several possessions with a chance to put it away just couldn't quite get it couldn't quite get that closing bucket um but man, they made clutch free throws. They got clutch offensive rebounds down the stretch, and they closed a game out. Like you said, when when it didn't feel like everything was, uh, you know, firing in all c- cylinders, and you shot nineteen percent from three. Yeah, yeah. This is you know, if you sort of look at, um, you know, the effect effective field goal percentage is something that you know sort of monitor our offensive production. You know, against Virginia Tech, one of the best of the season. Um, this game was actually Notre Dame's effective field goal percentage was thirty six percent. One of the worst of the season. The other, other, the only games worse than this were Auburn, um, the road game at Miami way back in December, and then the Citadel. Those are the only games in which Notre Dame had an effective field goal percentage lower than what they had on Wednesday against Georgia Tech. So to be able to to kind of gut out a win when the offense for, for a team that is this offensively challenged. Um, that, you know that's that's really just gritting one out and and I think you know in the big picture like yeah you know the win against Virginia is fun upsetting the top like it would have been fun if they could have stolen one against Duke but in terms of like setting the ACC pecking order I think it's really important to win the games against sort of your peer set 
Um, and right now, you know, whether we like it or not, like that's Georgia Tech. I think, um, you know, it's another program with a first-year head coach and Damon Stoudemire, too, that's gotten some big wins this year. So to go 2-0 and against them and sort of firmly establish ourselves, like, ahead of them in the ACC pecking order towards the bottom of the standings, I think um, it was just big sort of um, from, from a program perspective right now. Yeah. Um, shout out Burton, five swipes hmm. after his last game having, what was it, six? I mean – Man, the, the guy is – he's just great on D. And, you know, one thing that was interesting um, during the, the broadcast, they kept referencing how strong Marcus Burton was. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Um, I, I, you know, I said it once. I was like, okay. And then a couple more times I'm like, you know, maybe it has legs to it. I mean, the guy's 100 pounds soaking wet, I feel like. <laughs> but, um, hey, you got quick hands. That's that's all that counts sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think the interesting thing with Burton is, you know, like we talked about, he's sort of – learning how to use his repertoire a little bit better offensively. And I think the last two games, what is kind of promising in a lot of ways is that hasn't really included the three ball. Like he's only one of nine from three in the last two games He's zero for five against Virginia tech and, and one for four against Georgia tech. Um, but he's a pretty good th- three point shooter. Um, you know, we haven't necessarily seen it this year. Um, he's shooting 29% on the season, but like, you know, you go back to high school, he was like a, a you know, mid to high thirties, uh, you know, close to 40% three point shooter. So I think sort of as he gets, you know, sort of more used to developing his offensive game and, and, you know, again, figuring out sort of how to use his tool set, um, you know, adding that three ball is just going to be another weapon that I think he can still sort of add in and make himself even more dangerous and hard to guard. And as this offense evolves, Burton's going to have the opportunity, hopefully to be off the ball more. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help a, a tremendous amount with his three-point shooting. Right now, most of his threes are either like off offense or rebounds, or he's just got to pull up or put one up end of the shot clock style. So, um, you know, his his taking a three is not necessarily in the flow of the offense right now because the whole offense has to run through him most of the time. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That That is, you're probably right, like that is where he's going to develop his three-point game and, and get his three-pointers is when, you know, whether it's Logan, Logan Imes this year, Sir Muhammad next year, someone else is sort of, um, sort of handling the primary ball responsibilities. Um, you know, we touched we touched on him earlier, but I, I just I want to circle back to to Kevin and Jai, and I, th- I, I suspect we'll talk about this in the second half when we do the stock up, stock down. Um, but these last two games have really sort of made me reevaluate sort of the the fu- like what the future for Keba is. Um, you know, I think to consider him a starter on like a you know, sweet 16 caliber team is probably still a stretch for me, but these last two games, <laughs> oh, funnily enough, you know, this game on Ken Palm was his highest offensive rating of the season by far. He was at 186 before that he was at 144 in the Virginia win. Um, despite not registering a shot <laughs> offensively. Um, but you know, you get those rebounds, you went six of seven from the line, which is huge. Um, you know, if he's making free throws, that just makes, um, it makes it a lot easier to avoid those long scoring droughts that, that have plagued Notre Dame this season. So um, I think, and that comes after the Virginia Tech game where, you know, Notre Dame sort of deliberately tried to get him the ball a little bit more and make him more of a focal point of the offense. So um, it, it just seems like he's really kind of settling into his role and understanding, um, you know, what the team needs from him and, and, and filling it, I think, better than I, I kind of had projected he would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um couple more quick shout outs from the box score and just the game in general 
Um, Tate Davis, 4 of 4 at the line. I believe I caught on the broadcast 18 straight free throw makes for him. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's right. That's impressive. Because um, I remember kind of calling him out early in the year, especially in clutch moments. I know he missed the front end of a couple of uh, clutch, you know, one-and-ones, um, you know, a couple weeks back. Um, so props to him for, for getting that in order. Um, really disappointed in my boy, Matt Zona. I love a good uh, random three-point toss in from the top from him. Over uh, 2 in this game, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then we touched on the rebounding effort. I mean, the the team had 40 rebounds, and the guy who had the most was Keba with 7. That That's that's incredible team rebounding. Yeah. Yeah, like Logan Imes had 5. Like it, it, It's just like... Roper had 6. I mean, Zona had 4 in only 11 minutes. I mean, it's just impressive stuff. Um, clearly, Shrews um, rebounding and defense. I mean, still... Ken Palm top 40 defense now. We keep creeping up. Um, second best defense in the ACC. Um, at a minimum, you can say that Shrews' ability to coach and motivate this team to play defense and rebound is, is, has been executed really, really well. Yeah, yeah. A, a quick correction on Tay Davis. He's actually he's 19 of his last 20 uh, from the line. He, ha- he did have a miss against Virginia Tech, um, okay. unfortunately. But still, 19 to the last 20 for someone who, who was sort of struggling from that, you know, going – he went three of eight in the uh, the loss to Duke um, in South Bend in early January. I think that was probably that was a game we were thinking of where he he really struggled. Yeah. Um, yep. So to to hit nineteen of twenty, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. You know, I think that the defense. I, I've been really encouraged with. It seems like it's sort of stabilized a little bit because I think there was a mm-hmm. you know it had that stretch early in ACC play where the Virginia win, the NC State game, the Duke game, you know, you, even the first Georgia Tech win to some degree where I think we sort of caught these conference teams off guard, where they they didn't really anticipate. I mean, look, if you've played Notre Dame uh, historically, you probably weren't gearing up for the toughest defensive uh, matchup of your (laughs) life. But, you know, I I love Mike Bray, but, like, you know, let's call a spade a spade. He's not, uh, you know, he he wasn't throwing out, um, you know, Houston's defense out there. But, um, you know, then there was a little bit more sort of inconsistency in that middle stretch, but but it's really sort of I think settled into okay, it's not quite as good as it was in early January, but even now that teams have a scout on it and know what to expect, it it's sort of stabilized. Um, you know, with the exception of, of that game down in Charlottesville against Virginia, um, you know, everything else has sort of been um, you know right around it's just adjusted defense metric on Bart Torvik like right around a hundred, which is. Um, you know, so, sort of where Notre Dame is at on the season, their, their defensive efficiency is, is 29th nationally, and the last few games have sort of all been around that um, kind of efficiency level, which is which is what you want. Like, yeah, ideally you're you're playing at that level you were in early January, but that probably just wasn't sustainable. So, um, to sort of level off and find that consistency is is really encouraging and and a sign that it's not just like catching teams off guard. Like this is really something sustainable. Right, and you know we've talked before on the pod about. You know, part of this is just the style of game that Notre Dame plays. Um, but it, it's not the worst feeling in the world to walk into most of your games and feel like, hey, if we win the race to 60 points, we're going to win. Um, that's a weird feeling to have as an Irish fan where in the past, I feel like Bray used to say, win, you know, win the, the race to 80 points. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything else. I mean, um, you know, anything else from the Georgia Tech game that, that you want to hit on? Um before we move on, we can sort of spin it forward and talk a little bit about this uh, this matchup with the cards coming up. 
Yeah. Um, just real quick to clean up uh, a little bit. Um, we said uh, when we had Chris on as a guest, we needed, you know, three more wins to finish out the year. Hey, got two, two for two on the, yeah. way, on the <laughs> way there. So um, hopefully we can, uh, you know, bring some heat to uh, down to Kentucky on Wednesday. If, if we win the next six, we'll have uh, we'll have Chris back on before the ACC tournament. <laughs> because clear, clearly something happened there. <laughs> Or do we keep them off? Is yeah. That to, uh, <laughs> until they lose again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so. Uh, so yeah. I mean, and and if you talk about getting three, this is the third one to get for sure. Um, yep. You know, Louisville has definitely shown a little bit more life than um, you know than they did last year. Than I, and then frankly, I think kind of I expected them to this year. Um, you know, if you had told me in early in early January that. One that Kenny Payne would still be employed uh, as as we hit President's Day, I would have said, n- n- you know, no freaking way. Um, yeah. You know, now is he going to survive into next season? Like, uh, probably not. But um, you know, they sort of righted the ship a little bit. They, they beat Florida State in early February, and they beat Georgia Tech um, about a week and a half ago. And then um, you know, coming into the Notre Dame game, they're coming off losses to Boston College and Pitt. Um, the latter one being, you know, a 27 point loss uh, up in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, I think they're a team where if Notre Dame doesn't play well, obviously, I mean, there's, you know, if Notre Dame doesn't play well, they're going to lose. Um, yep. But this is also a game that is extremely, extremely winnable for the Ira. Uh, you know, arguably the most winnable game of the season for, for Notre Dame, uh, you know, conference game, I guess. Yep. Um, Louisville struggles pretty badly on defense. Um, Ken Palm's 225th ranked defensive team. Um, they're 234th in the country in rebounds per game. Um, and 387th, holy cow, in assists per game. <laughs> Is that lower than we are? Holy cow. Um, so, you know, it, it feels like, you know, this is a game where you should win. Um, and you have momentum. You've been playing well. You've been playing good basketball. Um, and after showing a little bit of fight, Louisville, you know, seems to be coming back down um, a little bit. So, Hopefully we're catching them at a good time uh, on a midweek game. It, it feels like most variables outside of the fact that we're on the road are uh, lining up in the Irish's favor. Yeah, yeah. And I think critically to sort of like, you know, one of the things that we've keyed on Louisville, there's, look, look, there's not a lot they do well uh, offensively or defensively, but in terms of forcing turnovers, they're 247th in the country in, in defensive turnovers forced. And so, um, you know, if the key is is taking care of the ball, um this is this is a team that Notre Dame should be able to take care of the ball against, um, and, and so you know then you can sort of and, and again this this Georgia Tech win is encouraging for me because I think you can take away from this like you don't need like you don't need five things to line up well to get a conference win against a bad conference team you just need like three and whether you know not turning the ball over sharing it well and you know having two two players have good games it's not like you sort of need every star to align. You just need um, to play smart, play competently. Like if if Notre Dame plays the game they played against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, they, they will beat Louisville on Wednesday, and it it you know might be relatively comfortable. But of course, given what we've seen this year, like that's not a given by any means. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um. All right, so I think uh, with that, you know, we'll probably be back later this week to talk about that that Louisville game. Um. Hopefully we're talking about a third one in a row. Uh, that'd be fun. Um, but before we do that, we'll sort of wrap up today 
with um, you know a little. I guess we could call it stock up, stock down, or like buy, sell, hold. I, I guess let's do stock up, stock down. Um, just um, you know, spending a minute or so kind of going up the roster and, and kind of looking at where each guy is compared to where we thought at the beginning of the year. Um, so I guess Jay, uh, I'll start. You you can do the honors first, and we'll start with Logan Imes uh, at the at the bottom of the rotation. Moving up, this is by um, you know sort of Ken Palm. Uh, Ken Palm usage rate. Uh, I'm big time stock up on Logan Himes. Yeah. Um, he's, he's for me, arguably the biggest stock up outside of maybe Burton. Um, but he's just, he fills his role so well. And, and he's exactly the kind of glue guy that a great, that a good team needs and a great team always has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, big time stock up. He's, he's great for the team now. And I envision him being a, a crucial part of the rotation, steadying force off the bench um, on a team that's hopefully going to contend in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he is like, I'm, I'm stock up on him in a sense that, you know, like sort of like you said, uh, you know, there, I, I don't think there's any chance he's going to turn into like a star at the collegiate level, but I think there's also like a very, almost no chance that he doesn't end up contributing, contributing, for Notre Dame, you know, in a meaningful in a meaningful way over the course of his career, like he he's just shown enough that um, he's going to be a rotation guy. Um, he knows his role, so yeah, definitely, you know, stock up. It, it's nice to. It seems like we sort of know what we have in him, and and he's gonna he's gonna be a hit um, from a recruiting standpoint. So, um, next up, senior forward Matt Zona. Um, I guess I, I can start. I, we we can go back yeah, and forth. So I'll yeah. I'll start with Zona. I'm uh I'm I guess I'm stuck down on Zona. I kind of thought he would um you know provide a little bit more front court. Really, he's just sort of found this niche as like purely a pick and pop guy, which is like that's that's fine. It's always fun when he hits a three, but you know given the front court depth, I was kind of hoping we'd see a little bit more um sort of true forward stuff from him, and and we really haven't. So um. You know that said, it, it sort of uh, it, it it doesn't seem like he'll be back on the roster next year. So um, you know, I, I disappointed what we got this year, but I don't think uh, obviously he'll he'll be a, in the in the plans long term. Yeah, I, I'm anywhere from neutral to stack down on Zona. Um, feels like he he should be a better rebounder than he is a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, if if he's gonna give you two to three pick and pops in a random game. I mean that that's huge, but he's not all that consistent with it. He's only shooting thirty percent from out there, um, so you know if he's shooting like thirty eight percent and hitting a handful every week, um, that'd be one thing. But yeah, I guess I would say generally neutral in that he's kind of what we thought he was and has not really grown that much. But stock down in that that's a little bit disappointing that that's kind of where his career came to. Yeah, yeah, especially for such a young team. You know, he was sort of the one of the few guys right. with guys with actual college experience. So to to have him really sort of be a, a non-factor from a meaningful standpoint. Ooh, Hannah Hidalgo just did a three to put the women up 61-47. So that's that's fun to see. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, next up, uh, sophomore forward Kevin Jai. You can lead off this one. Ooh. <laughs> this is probably the toughest one. <laughs> it might be the toughest one we have. It is. And, you know, I'm going to, because it's the toughest, I think I'm going to go neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like... If we get the Keba of the last two to three games, I'm going to switch to stock up. But if we get the Keba of the first lots of games, I'm going to go stock down. Um, 
So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that he's kind of hit a turning point here recently. Um, and if he can be, you know, in, in this, this most recent game, right, against, against the Yellow Jackets, it, it felt like he was more of like maybe a, a step up from a backup center and that like maybe he's like the, the first or second guy off the bench and can give you a little spark. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I see his ceiling. Um, and if we can get to there, fabulous. Um, I don't see him ever being, uh, you know, like you said, a, a starting center on a sweet 16 caliber team. I don't, I don't see that. Um, for him so I guess I'm gonna take the bailout easy answer and say neutral yeah yeah I feel like I, I was thinking about this one today and, and I feel like for him I'm and if, you, if you're an arrested development fan of the scene where they're watching mad money and he goes from Jim Kramer goes from you know, the blues company sell to don't buy um, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at on Kevin the last two games have moved me from from sell to to don't buy um <laughs> You know, I, I think, I think, uh, I think like the last two games have shown that, that maybe there's something there, but I just kind of struggle to see where, what he gave the last couple of games fits in for a team that has, you know, we'll just, let's just call it sweet 16 aspirations. Um, you know, I think you said sort of the first guy off the bench. I think, I think for that role, you like, you want just someone a little more dynamic. I think. I still want to see, like, I think it's, again, it's telling that, like, this last game, I think he played great and, and you know, won the game for Notre Dame with that tip out at the end. But, you know, if it's best game of the year and he, and he didn't take a take a field goal attempt, that sort of tells you something, too, that the offensive game just isn't there yet. So I, I'm, a, I'm a don't buy on Keva until he can show that there's sort of some real offensive game there to go along with sort of the other stuff that does seem to be coming along. So, so would you say that, um, let's say we get the Keba of the Virginia Tech game mm-hmm. um, for for most of the rest of the year, what, would, you, would you be stock up at that point? Uh, I think I would probably move up to somewhere between neutral and stock up. I still just okay. like, I, I think it, it, if we got to that point, for me, then it would be kind of hard to separate what we're looking for from him versus what his role was this year. It's just like, he's so kind of miscast this year as, as far as what he's doing versus what we would want him to do on a, on a better team. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so moving up to Julian Roper, junior guard. Um, I guess I'll kick this one off. I mean, I, I feel like by doing this from the, by usage rate, we, we might be sort of uh gerrymandering the answer but i I, i'm gonna say stock down on on julian roper um you know i i I sort of thought i was i might have been you i was talking to someone before the season started and you know the question at the time of like man who's gonna score for this team um and i thought roper would be able to provide some offense just based on you know he he has the sort of that pedigree from high school and and at northwestern he was behind you know guys like boo booey and chase adige behind some some really good guards so i thought he sort of had that ability and um, he, he just might not, you know, I think, um, he, uh, he sort of settled into kind of a role player kind of minute, you know, fill, fill some minutes in the backcourt. Um, but I also think he, he, um, you know, while he can do some good stuff, like he said, getting, getting those rebounds, like kind of providing those, that kind of spark, um, offensively, you know, there are times where he just like dribbles way too much or, or takes bad shots. Um, and if you're sort of, you know, the, fourth or fifth guard in the rotation, you, you can't really be doing that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think he, he's still got some eligibility left, so I think there's certainly 
you know, potentially a future for him, but, um, you know, based on sort of where I thought we'd be at the beginning of the year, I'm, I'm, I'm down on Roper a little bit. Yep. I'm down as well. Um, couple of reasons one assist to turnover ratio not good um he he, he averages 0. 0.4 assists a game and 1.1 turnovers a game on a guy that's not a central cog in the offense can't have that um and then a guard who shoots 53 percent from the free throw line i just can't handle yeah i was gonna say the free, the free throw shooting yeah Ugh. um you know he's, he's hard to even have out there at the end of games even though he's like a good defensive guard and a good rebounding guard, you want those players on the floor at the end of the game. But if you get that rebound and he's the one that gets fouled, you might be screwed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, for those reasons, I'm I'm down on Julian. Um, uh, you know, hopefully he can he can carve a path in the future. But um, I, I thought he was going to be a little bit more explosive. Yeah, and it's it's funny too with the free throw shooting because I think there are there are a lot of times where like someone in his role will have like a bad you know, you know, have a bad free throw percentage. And uh, and you sort of look at it, and, and it's true to some extent for him. Like he's only, he only has um, twenty seven free throw attempts on the year, so it's not like he's shooting a ton of free throws. But you, know, you look at that, and then you look at you know he's a thirty one percent three point shooter, which is which is pretty good. Um, and you'll say, oh okay, you know like maybe maybe there's more there. Maybe, you know maybe it's just a statistical anomaly. But then you watch his form at the line, and you're like, oh no, oh no, no, this is just yeah. not. That's just not how this is supposed to go. Um, for you golfers out there putting, he's like got the yips at the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's uh, so that's Roper. I think we're both sort of hoping hoping we'll see more out of him moving forward. Next one's interesting, um, and, I, and I'll let you lead this one off. Kerry Booth, six um, ten freshman forward. Where uh, where are you at on Kerry Booth uh, so far this season? I think this is the most fun one to do, and I'm going to go stock up. Yeah. Um, I, I love the flashes I've seen from him. We know the consistency's not there. We know he's learning. We know Shrews, um, you know, has had quite a few teaching moments with him throughout the first season here. But, man, you get those glimpses, and you're like, dude, if he puts it together, he's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, he's, a, he's a better shooter than I thought maybe coming in. I guess I kind of thought he was more like Keba coming in. Maybe I just didn't do my research, but... Um, he doesn't have the prettiest shot from the outside, and he's he's stopped making as frequently as he was early in the year, but you at least know it's in there somewhere. So um, for those reasons, I'm going to go stock up on uh, big number zero. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I'm stock up too on him, but almost for like the complete opposite of, of stock up as we were talking about with Logan Imes, where like with Logan Imes, I think we were stock up because we both sort of like, y- y- you get like, you sort of see what he's going to be and you're like, he is going to be a solid college basketball player. I, I am still not totally sure that Kerry Booth is going to be a solid college basketball player. Like it, it's, it's still not quite there for him. It still hasn't quite clicked, but the potential that we've seen and, and the chance that he becomes a tremendous college basketball player is really exciting. And I think there's been enough flashes um, that you sort of, you know, get really excited about that, about that potential. Um, you know, to, to sort of maybe part of this is sorry, Sam. Yeah, yeah. But maybe part of this is, um, you know, he's the kind of player we don't get. Yeah. As a recruit, very often, that type of explosive interior. Wow, he can like jump up and get a block. I mean, we don't we don't have big men that can do that with the athleticism and consistency, um, ever. Um, Booth has not shown the consistency, but he'll make that wild play. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think you hit on it with the shooting. I think that. To me, that's like less a skill issue and more like a him 
learning how to again in in a lot of ways it's sort of funny i think like that western carolina game was kind of our all of our introduction to Kerry booth where he, he, he went four of eight from three um you know scored 20 points and we we're like oh, oh holy crap like look at this guy um but that might have given him some irrational and, and ill-earned confidence from behind the line that yeah. um you know in conference play he, he's only, he's a 17 percent free throw shooter um, after shooting 33% in non-conference. So, you know... Three-point t- shooting, Sam. You said three-point. Oh, three-point. Sorry, sorry. Three-point shooting. Yeah, so he's shooting 17% from, from three-point after shooting 33% um, in non-conference play. So, um, you know, decision-making needs to be a little bit better there, but you see stuff like that, like that dunk or, or the block, you know, the blocks and stuff, like, and, and you just get really excited. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm stock up, but... Um, you know, still a high volatility stock, I would say. I would say Kerry Booth, uh, I'll never be neutral on. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe a good a good way to put it, maybe. <laughs> like, this time next year, we could be very stocked down on Kerry Booth. Just depends how he develops. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, next up is uh, Tay Davis, 6'9", uh, sophomore. Um, is it my turn? I think I'm going to start. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm neutral on Tay Davis. I think... Um, Again, maybe maybe we put an asterisk on this one because we're not, you know, the health has sort of been an issue, um, or potentially has been an issue this year. But I think I kind of thought we would see Georgia Tech Tay Davis a little bit more than we have. Um, you know, he he he's been sort of passive and kind of disappeared in games at times this year. So, um, you know, I, I think we've seen enough, and obviously he's played a big enough role. There, there's still a lot there. I think. Um, you know, I certainly expect him to be a key player for this team next year. Um, but I think we haven't sort of seen the kind of clean growth trajectory that some other guys have, have displayed and that, that you'd sort of want to see from a guy like him. I'm going to go neutral, leaning towards stock up. Um, and, and that's based around the assumption that I feel like he hasn't been healthy. Mm-hmm. I feel like the best of Tay Davis is really good and the worst of Tay Davis isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. So um, for those reasons, I'm going to go neutral. Um but leaning towards stock up in, in hopes that um, he can maintain that level of explosion and get into the rack and making free throws, um, you know, like he has somewhat recently, as opposed to you know, like just pulling up his, it, it's, he's almost been like pretty boomer bust. I mean, you know, 19 points against Western Michigan, um, you know, 16 points against Pitt, 17 against Georgia Tech. And in some of those, he was like, the, the offense was running through him at times if Burton was not on. So, um, yeah, I think I think Davis is a really important player. Um, yeah, looking ahead to next year, like like maybe the most important X factor for next year. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's one guy that I'm I'm really interested to see um, against Louisville on Wednesday night. Um, you know, 12, 12 field goal attempts against Georgia Tech was a season high for him. So if it was something where like he was sort of getting back to healthy and he finally sort of has clicked at one hundred percent, if we can see sort of you know he doesn't have to put up. 17 and six again against Louisville. But if he can sort of have that same sort of production and, and just sort of show that same sort of offensive ability, that, that, that'd go a long way towards moving me into the stock up category. Yep. Um, next up, we got J.R. Konetsny. This is sort of an interesting one. Uh, what do you think about J.R.? I'm going to go stock down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he started out the season really well. Um, he's just not been consistent, you know, the last several games here and almost feels like he's got a little bit of a, a mental block out there right now. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll toss to you to 
to com- to complete the picture on Jr. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think you're right. I think I'm I-, I could be talked into neutral, but given sort of the trajectory, I would probably say um, I would probably say stock down. You know, the last few games he, he hasn't cracked double digits in points since um, since the home game against BC in late January. So that's a stretch of uh, you know five games in single digits. You sort of you've really seen his minutes sort of decline along the way. Those the last three games he's played under twenty minutes. Um, so, yeah, you know I think um, I, I think he just sort of hasn't built on. You know it was a really strong non conference schedule. I think you know we were all he he was kind of the pleasant surprise of of non conference, um, and then just hasn't hasn't really been really been able. To, and so that you know to be fair, some of that is guys like. Gary Booth or Tay Davis and, you know, other guys stepping up and, and stepping into those roles. Um, but he, he's a guy where I'm, it seems like he's still trying to figure out what he does well and sort of where he fits on this team. Um, whereas other guys are sort of staking a claim to, to the roles that, that he once held. Yeah. I feel like he, he kind of with Davis is, is a, could be a very important player next year. I think this off season and heading into the, you know, 2025 season um, or 24, 25 season. Um, that's going to make or break his career. So I, I hope he has a great off season, gets a little bit stronger um, and sort of cleans up, cleans up some of the mental mistakes and, um, you know, gets, get some confidence going. I feel like he's the kind of player that could get hot and make two or three, four threes in a row in a certain game. And that could carry him for a week or two, but it feels like he might be losing his confidence kind of quick too. So um, we'll see how he, uh, how he responds. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, now we're getting into the uh, the, the last two guys are the, the the starting backcourt. We'll start with Braden Shrewsbury. Um, I'm going to say I'm I'm stuck up on Braden Shrewsbury, which uh, one of those were like if you told me I was going to say that after the Citadel game, I would have thought you were crazy. I think he <laughs> he he's in a lot of ways I think the opposite of Kinetsny, where he's sort of really kind of found himself um, sort of as the season has gone on. Um, and, and I think, like, there's a little bit of sort of Logan Imes, the, the Logan Imes factor here, too, of, like, you know, he's not going to be, uh, you know, all things to all people. He, he's not going to be a superstar. But, man, he can shoot. And, and, like, when you can do something, like, he can clearly shoot. And we can do something that well, you're going to find a role. So I, I just, I think, I think we sort of know what we have from him. And, um and he's going to be a guy that that plays a big role for the Irish Challenge. And and in addition to the shooting, I think the last few games, the last couple of weeks, he's really sort of rounded it out and um, you know kind of added some more weapons to his arsenal. That that's been encouraging to see too. So I'm I'm stuck up on uh, on little shrews. Yep, agreed. Um, guys like this are are super important to making a run in the tournament. It, it takes one guy like this getting hot for a weekend. Um, to pull an upset and, and get somewhere where your team maybe couldn't before. Um, you know, him in the Georgia Tech game uh, back in January on the road uh, is a great example. Puts up 25 points, um, five of nine from three, gets to the line six times. Um, yeah, I, I think as a, as a true freshman and the coach's kid who's obviously going to take heat because he's the coach's kid, I think he's clearly proved he's he belongs on this team. Um, and not only that, he's he's – clearly our second most capable offensive option. Mm-hmm. Love to see him improve on his defense. Hopefully that'll that'll come with time in a college strength and conditioning program and, and then getting in the weight room. Um, but yeah, stock up. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to put some numbers behind it, through the through the Citadel game, you know, when when 
Micah had sort of that rant afterwards of he's shooting 20-something. He was 27% from three at that point. Since then, he's shooting 42% from three. Um, so if that, you know, if, if that 42% three-point shooter, if that's who Braden Shrewsbury is, like, sign me up. And even, like, the defense, you hope it gets better. But when you can shoot that well, like, just just get to pretty good defensively and, and you're, you'll be fine. You don't need to, you know, lock everyone up if, if you're shooting 42% from three. Um, all right, and we'll close it out with, uh, let's see, Marcus Burton. Am I, I'm, I'm, am I pronouncing that right? I think. Uh, who, I've never heard of him. Yeah, Marcus Burton. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for you. I think we're both stock up on Marcus Burton this year. <laughs> Tough uh, one. Um, Marcus is awesome. The best of Marcus Burton is one of the more exciting players that Irish Hoops have had in a long time. Um, and to do it as a true freshman on top of that is is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think the coolest thing that we've seen has been, um, you know, when he hit that sort of stretch of the, the UVA Pitt Duke games of, you know, when he was kind of struggling a little bit, I, I think it would have been, I think, I think I would have been stock up even if at that point, like that had sort of continued, we ride out the year and like, you know, you say, man, the last few games were disappointing, but he sort of hit the wall and, um, you know, but you know, the earlier stuff was still good, but he sort of hit the wall at the end and didn't finish as strong. But to see him, you know, kind of flip the switch again these last two games and and become, you know, focus on taking care of the ball, you know, ratcheting up those steal numbers, um, you know, and still putting up sixteen points, eighteen points, it's it's been awesome. Like, I, you know, I I don't know, like. Can he be the best player on a Sweet 16 Elite Eight caliber team in a year or two? It, maybe, yeah. Like, I, I kind of think so. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I think he's got that, like, you know, this was the optimistic comp I made when he came in, but, like, Marquise Noel for Kansas State last year in the tournament, like, he, he is that type of player. He's Chris Likes for Miami. Like, he, uh, he, he is that type of player, and we're – Really lucky uh, we got him, and uh, he's going to be really fun to watch. I think the the commentators say a lot about this. Obviously, guys that are watching a lot of different teams, night in, night out. feels like every single broadcast crew that maybe hasn't called our game yet for whatever reason, they're like, yo, this kid's like legit, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty fun. Um, and, you know, as he goes, the Irish go, and uh, you, you need a ringleader. Um, I, to your point, I think he can be that player to take a team to a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8, but not, like, put the team on back, though. (laughs) I mean, he's got to have a little bit of help, um, but, man, he's electric. If he can just get a little bit of help to open up the paint and and give him room to operate, um, sky's the limit for Marcus Burton. Yeah, yeah, I think it's funny. Like, in a lot of ways, his college career is sort of playing out in, in some similar to kind of how the recruiting process played out to, for him, where like when he signed, it was like, ah, oh, great. Like Mike Bray didn't want, even want to leave South Bend to go recruiting, like get, <laughs> getting this kid from Mishawaka. And then like the season plays out and it's like, Oh wait, he's like now a top one fifty recruit and he's Indiana, Mr. Basketball. Like, okay, maybe, maybe he's actually pretty good. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think, I think this is, this was the easiest one uh, that, that we ended on. I think that that was smart. End on the easy one. Right. That's right. Pro um, move. Yeah. So, um, all right. I think uh, I think that that pretty much covered. I don't know. Do we want to do Micah Shrewsbury stock up, stock down real quick? I think I think we're both stock Ooh, up on Shrews. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think this. You know, you, you told me to get to ten wins, and 
um, you know, potentially get to, uh, get to, get to five conference wins. Like I would, I would have taken that at the beginning of the year for sure. So, um, and, and especially the, just instilling the identity that he has has been really encouraging. It's not, if they got four ACC wins, but it was four versions of the Virginia game where like, you know, just sort of fluky, that would be one thing, but like, that was fun, but then also like these last two have really been sort of proof of concept wins for me. Yeah, it's interesting how games against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech at home could could potentially flip my answer. Like if if you if you told me, hey, they 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 lost by ten plus to Virginia Tech and they they got nosed at the finish line by Georgia Tech, I would I might be leaning neutral. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how those games unfolded. Um, so um, I, I think the the season has. Maybe not follow the exact storyline that we all kind of anticipated, but I think where we are is kind of where we expected to be, and I think you got to give them the benefit of the doubt and go stock it up. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know these last six will be there's still still plenty to watch, there's still plenty to play for, and you know then we'll see uh, we'll see what they can do in DC. So, all right, I think I think that'll do it for us uh, for this edition of the Three Point Jesus Pod. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun, and um, like I said, I think we're gonna try to. Trying to do one later this week after the Louisville game. I've got some some travel coming up, so we may be a little off schedule uh, moving forward. But we'll uh, we'll make sure to to find some time to to chat and uh, keep up over the next couple of weeks. We know our listeners are just going to thirst for information about Irish turnovers, assists, and free throws. Hey, if have to give the people what they want. Hey, if they keep winning, you know that's the best thing for our numbers is, is more more Notre Dame basketball wins to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely, baby. Let's get on a roll on Wednesday. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. Go Irish.